Well, we are, again, we're so glad you are here. And we're in the middle of this sermon series called Uncertain. We're looking at the life of Moses as he led the children of Israel through certainly uncertain times to help us in our current uncertain times. Last week, I was gone in Kansas visiting my boys, and Pastor Tyler preached a great, great sermon. What a great preacher he is. He spoke on the first four commandments, the commandments that focus in on, on loving your others. We're going to or loving God, rather, and we're going to focus on the last six commandments today, the commandments that focus in on how we love one another. Well, let's get right to it. What do we do? We love God, love people. How do I I love, Pastor Tyler talked about loving God, how do I love my neighbors myself? Well, these commandments tell us. Number five begins at home. Love your mother, honor your father and mother. In dealing with our relationships with people, God cuts to the core of those relationships of our being. What relationship challenges us more to maintain that relationship over the entire course of our lifetime? And what relationship has the greater potential for both love and hate and joy and sorrow than the parent-child relationship? I, I think I've told you this story. When, I, 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 when our son Alex was in high school, um, he wanted a tattoo. I can't remember how old he was. I told Alex I was going to tell him a story on him this week. So, Alex, hope you're watching. Did I tell you we had a guy? We have a guy that's been attending church named Alex Prince. Did I t- have I told you that? He's been here like three weeks. He may be in the second service. Guy named Alex Prince has been coming to our church. I met him. I took a picture of him uh, two weeks ago, was his, or three weeks ago, was his first Sunday here. I took a picture of, of me and Alex Prince in church, and I, and I sent it to my Alex Prince and said, well, one Alex Prince was in church today. There better be two. <laughs> I don't know if that helped or not. Anyway, when Alex was in like 10th grade, 9th, I don't know how old he was. He wanted a tattoo, and he thought he, thought he had the argument in the bag. He thought he was set. He had this down. He knew that there was no way that we could say no because he came to us and said, Mom, Dad, I want a tattoo. And, and this is not an anti-tattoo sermon. If you have a tattoo, that's fine. We just didn't think a 10th grader you know, wanted to, you know, could make a great decision on what was going to be on his body for the rest of his life. And so, so he's, I want a tattoo, and he thought he had it in the bag. It'll be a Bible verse. And Carla, you know, sharp as a whip, without missing a beat, said, the only Bible verse you can get put on your body is honor your father and mother. (laughs) (laughs) He decided he didn't want a Bible verse tattoo after all. (laughs) Carla has taught me much more about honoring your father and mother these last six years. You know, when we came here, one of the reasons we came to Flint left Kansas. Our boys are still there. They're there last week. Wonderful time. It was because we know our parents were aging. My mom uh, had been living alone for five years, and Carla's folks were, were, were aging. So we came here, in part because of this verse, quite honestly. We got here, and my mom died three, three months after we arrived. And three months after we arrived, we realized that Carla's folks really couldn't be living on their own any longer. And Carla's dad had Alzheimer's, was just diagnosed. If you've never been experienced Alzheimer's, uh, it's a terrible disease. One of the worst. And you lose people by bits and pieces. Every week, you know, we would um, bring Arling and Mary to church. 
Arlene didn't even know he was in church. And sometimes, you know, we didn't know what to expect. He wasn't great at sharing. And so when we would pass, you know, the offering plates or the communion trays, you remember in those days, those long, long ago when we used to pass offering plates and communion trays? Sonny, when I was your age, we'd pass a tray down the pew and people would put cash money in it. No kidding. Grandpa, what's cash money? No, no that's all dumb. So we, we would pass it and Arling wouldn't give it up. You know, Carla would have to pry his fingers off the communion tray to pass it down the row. And she would say, she would say, because we didn't know what would happen. She, she would say, Rob, if he gets up and heads to the back, he's mine. But if he gets up and heads toward the front, he's yours. <laughs> it never happened. Why would, we, why, would we, why would we bring Arling to church? They didn't even know he was here. We brought him to church because sitting next to him was Mary who had sat next to her husband at church for 60 years. And she knew he was here. Honoring your father and mother. There's no clauses in there that says, except when they get Alzheimer's. Except when they're not very thankful for you honoring them. It doesn't even say, except if they've treated you badly. It doesn't even say that. Except if you had a big argument with them, then you don't have... It, it, except if they become such a burden on you, then you don't have... It doesn't say any of that. Honor, honor, honor your mother and your father, even in challenging times. All right. I got to get going. You are in trouble because there's no clock on the back wall because their camera broke. Or our projector broke. All right. Commandment number six, you shall not mat a murder. We all know that, right? Life belongs to God. We know that. That's what that commandment is saying. Life belongs to God. It's not yours to take. It's not mine to take. All life belongs to God. He is the giver of life. Life belongs to God. We are unashamedly pro-life people. And I might say, I might say most of us, we, we mostly have that figured out. At least, at least we have it figured out that... that God is the, the giver of life at the beginning of life. And that's the argument that sometimes is made against pro-life people, that, 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 that you're only really pro-birth people, and that you forget about the kids after, after they're born and their life circumstances. I believe pro-life means from the womb to the tomb, we're pro-life. And pro-life is caring for people and, and, and loving people, people Pro-life is caring for the sick. It's caring for the mentally challenged. It's caring for the, for the lonely and the hungry and the elderly. That's, that's what pro-life is really all about. It's caring for people from the womb to the tomb. It's caring for people in a pandemic is pro-life. Do, do you remember the parable that Jesus told about the goats and the sheep? Uh, Matthew 25, you remember that. Uh, you don't want to be a go goat for Jesus was not greatest of all time. That's not, he, goat was bad. The sheep was good. And, and the, sh the sheep are good because they fed the hungry and they, and they gave drink to the thirsty and they clothed the naked and they were there for the sick and the, and, the, and the stranger and the imprisoned. The sheep were good because they cared about the lives of all those needy. Goats were bad because they didn't. Let me just... Oh my goodness, we are going to be in trouble today. I, I'm sorry, I know we're going to be in trouble today. 
I, I've got to interrupt this sermon just to give you a quick little report. If you can keep a secret. Well, this part isn't a secret. Um, I get, Do you know we've been giving out food on Tuesdays and Thursdays since July? Anybody comes through, just drive through, we put food in their cars, through the USDA government program, we give it out. Guess how much food we've given away since July? Guess, take a wild, wild guess. Are you ready? 611,000 pounds, 750 pounds. Guess how many tons that is? That's nearly 305 tons, of, or 306 tons of food. I was hungry, he gave me something to eat. During the water crisis, you remember, we, we uh, partnered with Convoy of Hope, and I don't know how many, how many uh, truckloads of water that we brought into Flint. I was thirsty, and he gave me something to drink. Here's the secret. Um, on, on November 20th, so three weeks, three weeks from now, we're going to have a special Sunday, and we're going to uh, focus in on that RIP medical debt. Remember, we were raising money to, to give medical relief to those people, delinquent medical bills that people had. I just got the final report this week. So if you can keep a secret, I'll tell you what the final report is. So you gave money, and we had some money to begin with, and we wanted to wipe out all the medical debt in Genesee County, all the delinquent medical debt. Now, if you went to the doctor last week and they sent you a bill, we're not, cut, we're not cutting a check for that. <laughs> you know, I've had people call me, Esther, you know, can you pay? No, no. It's delinquent bills that have been sent to debt collectors and we, we bought them up. So our goal was to buy Genesee County. And you know, you know this part because I've already told you this part. We didn't buy just Genesee County debt. We bought nine counties. Not all of nine counties. I think there's only three people in Wayne, Wayne County. We did all the other counties around Tuscola, Sanilac, you know, uh, uh, somebody else is buying Oakland County, Macomb County, and three people, three people in Genesee County. Guess how many people we helped all total? Ready? 7,294 people. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen this week? 7,294 people are going to get a, a, a letter and it's going to have a copy of their bill that's been paid off. And the average bill was $1,243.49. And they're going to get in a letter saying, you know, that, that bill that you have for $1,249.43 or whatever I just said is totally wiped out by the folks at Central Church of the Nazarene. No strings attached. We paid your bill. So they're going to get this letter. They'll get it in the next week or two and we're going to celebrate because the whole total amount was, are you ready for this? $9,070,763.85. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. I was sick in a pandemic, and you paid off my medical debt. See, that's what, that's what it means to be pro-life. It's caring for people from the womb to the tomb. It's pro-life. So next time you hear somebody say, oh, you Christians, you only care about pro-birth. You're not pro No, say, say not my church. <laughs> We're pro-life, from womb to the tomb, pro-life. Now, before you get too proud, I think Jesus would know, okay, my folks are going to get this. We don't have too many murderers in the crowd. I, I, I think that before we get too proud, we need to go back to what Jesus said. Do you remember what Jesus said regarding this commandment? He said this, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. You're probably not going to murder anyone, but I can get angry. 
I can't say to an individual the equivalent of, you fool, you knucklehead. You maniac driver, honk, honk, honk. You voted for who? I can't believe it. That hits a little closer to home. And Jesus is saying, you, you, you probably aren't going to, you know, knock someone off. But you might brush them off. You might write them off. You might send them off and say, forget you. Jesus says, this makes this commandment a whole lot tougher. What's in your heart is what he's asking. He does the same thing with commandment number seven. You should not commit adultery. Jesus then went on to say, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his, in his heart. And otherwise, other words, adultery begins long before someone runs up north for a weekend fling with somebody else. It begins with the eyes. It begins with the thoughts. It begins with a little flirting, little harmless flirting. Newsflash, it's not harmless. It begins with a little harmless texting, cute little texting. Newsflash, it's not harmless. If you were to go to the uh, Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and you were to go up to the fourth floor of that museum, you would see in a glass case a leather edition Bible that was printed in 1631. It has a heading on that Bible, or a, a sign over that Bible, that calls it the Wicked Bible. And, and, and the, this Bible, it's just like a, it's a King James, authorized King James version of the Bible, printed in 1631. King Charles was the king at the time. He destroyed all the copies of it, except a couple. That's why this one's in the museum. It's called the Wicked Bible. You know why it's called the Wicked Bible? It's missing one word, one word, just one little word, one teeny tiny little word. The word not in Exodus 20, 14. So the Wicked Bible reads, Thou shall commit adultery. Now we laugh at that, we think, well, how silly. But in our sex-saturated society, it seems that people are reading it that way. Listen, it is not okay to move in with, with, with your boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage. It is not okay to view pornography. It is not okay to look lustfully on a person. It is not okay. We used to teach our preschoolers, maybe we still do, I don't know. Oh, be careful little lies, would you see? Oh, be careful little lies, would you see? For the Father up above, let's look down below. Oh, be careful little... You remember that song? It's still true. No matter how old you are, it's still true. Okay, commandment eight, you shall not steal. No robbing. No dirty, rotten thieves in here, please. Again, probably most of us, we're not Bonnie and Clyde. But I think it also means no cutting corners on your taxes. I have a friend who's an insurance adjuster. And he's told me many times of people, he'll go into homes in, uh, investigating insurance claims. And you'll go into homes and there'll be, you know, Bible verses all on the walls and stuff like Bibles sitting out. And so he figures, you know, these people must be Christian. And miracle of miracles, I think they are because, you know, they turn in the claim and their 30-inch TV grew to a 60-inch TV. And their 9-year-old laptop turned into a brand new Mac, MacBook Pro, you know. He told me the worst was a couple of years ago he went into a fire claim. And he went into the house, and wherever he went, the lady, the lady of the house followed him around singing hymns. You know, all sorts of hymns, humming, singing little hymns, the whole time he was there, all the time. And he said, she has turned in the most fraudulent claim he's ever received in 30 years. So, so that lady, um, you know, if you're singing hymns while you're stealing, 
then that's probably breaking uh, the commandment of taking the Lord's name in vain. And if you're singing hymns while you're stealing, it's probably, you're probably also bearing false witness. And you're probably also coveting your neighbor's stuff. And you've probably made money into your God. So she broke commandments two, three, seven, eight, nine, probably ten in there, whatever. She, you know, a lot more than just stealing. Number nine, thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor. No lying, no stretching the truth, no cutting corners. People have got her to be honest. I think being honest includes, watch your toes, going to step on it. Being honest includes not putting things on Facebook, social media that are lies or phony or untruths. That's lying. Number nine, number ten, we've got to get through these before you start throwing tomatoes. Um, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This, is not, this commandment is not like what it was when, or taught when I was a kid. It was, when I was a kid, we just stopped at thou shall not covet. That's not what this verse is saying. Covet, the, the Hebrew word for covet is hamad. Hamad is kind of a neutral word. It's not good. It's not bad. It means desires. Now, if this were a Buddhist service, you know, and we weren't singing songs about Jesus this morning, and, and, and we didn't have an empty cross, you know, up on the platform, if this were a Buddhist service, then, yeah, then maybe we would say, you know, desires, all desires, because that's what Buddha taught. All desires are bad. But we're not a Buddhist church. This is a Christian church, and we don't believe that all desires are bad. There are some good desires. You need desire to make a better life. Desire to, 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 to live for Jesus. Desire for our country to, to be united. A desire for his will to be done in Flint as it is in heaven, like we pray all the time. Desire for, for, for uh, uh, there to be an end to poverty or racism or any of those other things. Those are healthy, good, good desires. When I was pastoring in Bad Axe, okay, I can, I can tell you the story. When I was pastoring in Bad Axe, there's a lady named Loretta Woolner. Loretta was, she had so much wrong with her. Her body was just breaking down. She had a really bad hip. Probably these days they'd give her a new hip, but she had a really bad hip. She could barely walk. She had diabetes. She had a million things wrong with her. But she could pray. That lady could pray. And so I would go to her house. Not because I was going to, you know, cheer her up probably. I would go to her house and she would pray over me. And, and she, I mean, that lady, that lady she'd go toe-to-toe with the evil one and she'd come out the champion because she knew how to pray. And I think a big part of my ministry even today is because of folks like, again, that great cloud of witnesses, people like Loretta Woolner that prayed, prayed, prayed. And so I'd go to her and, and this is what she'd say often. She'd pray that she'd pray, Oh Lord, we covet you. We covet your power. We covet your might. We covet you. We covet you. We covet you. That's what we need to covet. Not your neighbor's junk. I know, I know. Your neighbor probably doesn't have an ox or a donkey. But maybe he has a really cool car. Or maybe he has a place up north. Or maybe he has this. Where it's, it's desires run amok. That's what this, this is saying. Don't let your desires run amok. Desire the things of God. Desire to be holy. Desire to follow after him. Maybe you don't have these commandments they're shaping us into being the people of god the first four love god with all your heart soul mind and strength these last ones love your neighbor begins by honoring your parents it's valuing life from womb to the tomb it's 
It's being faithful and keeping our promises in marriage. It's, it's not taking what isn't ours. It's not cutting corners. It's not lying. It's not cheating. It's not having our desires run amok. Loving our neighbor. All right, let's talk about these times, these uncertain times. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. We're in a pandemic two days before a national election that we all know has been very, very contentious. Walmart has taken the ammo off the shelves for fear of civil unrest. These are things that you and I probably would never have dreamed of would happen, happening in our country right now. So this is what you need to hear about that. No matter who wins the election, did you hear that part? No matter who wins the election, on Wednesday, probably won't even know on Wednesday, but on Wednesday, all those people that voted for Joe Biden, you are to love. All those people who voted for Donald Trump, you are to love. All those people who voted for some other candidate or who didn't vote or who whatever, you are to love. That's what the people of God do. We love God. We love people. It doesn't matter. We love God, love people. You see, we, we, pray, we pray all around here, right? All the time that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in Flint, in, on earth, in America. Why do we do that? Why do we pray that prayer? Because we love our city and we love our country and we long for the day when people will look to Jesus. But at the end of the day, at the end of this election time, at the end of the pandemic, the truth of the matter is we are ambassadors for a king whose rule is far greater than the United States of America. It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. It, we are who Peter says, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a God's special possession that we may declare his praises, calling you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. So Wednesday, after the election, act like the people of God. Live like the people of God. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Talk like it. Act like it. Love like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In uncertain times, we need a rock, solid foundation, a truth on which we can stand for. Jesus, of course, is the truth. That's who we stand upon. But these commandments give us direction, insight, clarity, how we stand, which way we stand. Oh, my goodness. We got to be the people of God. Let me tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is in Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, Moses comes down the mountain and builds an altar. And on that altar, he made a sacrifice. But he did something strange, something very weird. He poured half the blood on the altar. But the other half, you're not going to believe it. You're going to think it's kind of gross. The other half... He sprinkled on the people. You know, that's kind of, we'd say, ah, how am I ever going to get that out? And this is what he said. This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, the Ten Commandments. Does that sound familiar to you? Does it ring a bell? It should, because Jesus used very similar language at the Last Supper. When Matthew tells us, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. 
This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came as a sacrifice, went to the cross, shed his blood for you and me. Communion reminds us of that. It reminds us of who we are. We are the people of God. We are shaped by Jesus Christ because of his shed blood. That's, that's who we are, the people of God who are called to love God and love our neighbor. Last week we were with um, Alex and Ben and, and Ben's wife, Madison. We went to church. Alex's wife, Blair, was a little sicky. She couldn't go. So we went to Ben's church. And... Um, well, let me just say this. One the, the best thing of that whole weekend for me was just looking down the row and seeing my kids. And if you're able to worship with your children, praise the Lord for that. Because I, I, I'll be totally honest when I say I miss that so much. And their bench church, it was, um, it was a good church. And they did, they, we had to check in. You had to like reserve your seats because of social distancing and everything in their church. And so they had one entrance and you went in through that entrance and you had to check in with the lady with an iPad, kind of like what we do in our children's area. And you, we all had to do that. And it was so great. It was so great because we walked in and again, this was Ben and Madison's church. We walked in and before we even got there, the lady at the check-in said, oh, Ben and Madison. It made me so happy. I knew that they were attending church, not just because parents were in town, but they actually go there and people recognize them and know them so we got in there and it was a great service they sang songs i didn't know that's okay and the preacher he preached a great sermon i only had one complaint one complaint i shouldn't tell you a complaint because it really was good everything was good it's communion sunday right and so because of social distancing maybe they don't have the little dealies like we have you know the the little juice and the little peel and thing i don't know they didn't have those so on the way out the door, like even actually outside the door, in the parking lot, going into the parking lot, they handed us the bread. And the message was, you know, go be the body of Christ in our world. And I like, that's a great message. Go be the body of Christ in the world. Go, 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 be the body of Christ in the world. I get it, I get it. But they didn't give us the juice. I gotta have, I gotta have the juice. Because this represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. And the whole reason I'm here is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The whole reason we are a people of God, a royal nation, all those other things because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The whole reason that we can love our neighbor is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we are a mess with him. With him, we can rejoice. So Moses goes before the people, he sprinkles blood on them, and he says, listen, you are the people of God. Don't forget you're the people of God. And we gather at the table for the same message. Because of Jesus, we are the people of God.